and welcome to the Limitless Outdoors podcast brought to you by Eberly Stock. This week, we are going to be debuting the legendary Shane Fouch, and he has been a, one of the most pivotal people in my life uh, over the last close to 10 years now, eight, eight, 10 years that we've known each other, and has he is the one that turned me on to goose hunting. Uh, like one of the most exciting things that I ever do that you guys don't see much video about, but um, he turned me on to goose hunting and the coolest thing he ever turned me on to uh, was bear hunting. And when you talk about bear hunting, I think there's a lot of different images. There's guys that run bears with dogs. There's guys that bait them in. Um, there's hunting them on grassy logging roads and in clear cuts. But then there's a style of bear hunting that Shane introduced me to. And we kind of jokingly call it the poor man's sheep hunt because like the bear that you killed last year, Shane, was above the sheep. So <laughs> so we're going to be today just kind of talking about spring bear and specifically our style, but really want to introduce you to Shane a little bit and get some backstory on when he started bear hunting. So when was your, when's the first bear hunt that you remember? Well, when I was really small, there my, what was it? Oh yeah, our neighbor shot a bear out of his apple tree in the middle of the night <laughs> and gave it to us. And so I was probably like four years old standing there in the dark with my dad with a flashlight looking at this thing. And that was my first impressive moment with a dead bear. Okay. And then another six or seven years go by and then I'm coming of age and I want us to hunt bears again there so we started hunting my dad hunting and me just following him around but that was all I wanted to do anyway because I didn't want the responsibility of trying to shoot one of these things myself yeah I just wanted to be there <laughs> and I've I've told you this story numerous times and you told me that it was like the pivotal moment of my hunting career. <laughs> We've been hunting spring bears in the in the clear cuts and logging roads style. Just walking around and around here and there. And it was raining, just wet, miserable, cold spring day. And we made this big loop and we were there. I thought we were done and we come back onto the road that would lead us back like a half mile back to pickup. And so I was thinking we were done. And nope, my dad turns and starts walking the opposite direction back up the road again. <laughs> and we go up in there like another half a mile or so, not that far. And there is a bear in this, in this old landing in the green grass is like a foot deep. And there he is just standing there in the rain, just munching away like a black Angus. <laughs> there. And my dad shot him. And there he lay in the green grass. And that was that was a real start there. Okay. There and then I have I have twisted that philosophy around of just never quitting. So, Colton, what is it like following Shane around in the woods? Uh, well, that story just explained a lot of <laughs> Shane's <laughs> methods and uh, how he hunts. 
I mean, Adam's followed him around more, but a little bit that I've gotten to do with Shane. It's uh, we start going one direction, and then all of a sudden we're going downhill when we're trying to go uphill, and then we're going side hill when we're trying to go back the drainage and all over the place. <laughs> like we're we're climbing up the mountain, and all of a sudden we're at the bottom of the mountain. I mean, Shane ha- or Adam had that experience with him mule deer hunting. He was at the top and at the bottom five different times on the same hunt. So <laughs> that entire story about your dad getting to the road and turning around and walking back up, it, it explains a lot. It makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Also, we call, we lovingly call Shane the raccoon. Yeah. Because he finds all the most random stuff. I mean, up in Alaska a couple of years ago, we found all that old abandoned stuff in the middle of a brush patch because you were just poking, you and Adam were poking around and you're always turning up different things. But what, um, so what happened that, so you have that story with your dad, you're watching bears get shot up to this point. What was your first bear? Uh, my first bear was a couple years after that. They are, I took my dad's old 30, 30, went back in behind the house and it was kind of a swampy creek bottom back there in the rain again there. And I, blundered onto this bear out in this little bitty meadow along that creek and, and somehow shot it to death. <laughs> <laughs> so what, um, growing up, did you, I remember you telling me a story that you guys didn't have much money one year or probably most of the time. Yeah. And your dad bought a brand new pair of boots this sometime back in that time frame. And then he oh, gave yeah. you one boot and he kept one boot for himself. So yeah. you guys each had a new boot for hunting season. Yeah, this, we had better traction. We had good traction on one foot and not the other one. <laughs> and you could you could get around pretty good that way. Okay. Did the other boot have holes in it? Or was it still in decent shape? It was decent. It was a, it was a traction issue. Okay. So what is the, what was the shift that made you start, go from hunting bears in the swamp to hunting bears in the cliffy, nasty high country? That was a long and slow procedure. Is I, after a while there, I started hunting in the, in the high country in my late teens. And I started falling in love with the Alpine avalanche pass country. Okay. There, and then I, and I realized that there was bears there. So is uh, there a difference between low country bears and high country bears, you think? Yeah, there might be. There's probably a higher percentage of big bears in the low country. Yeah. There, there's a lot of, in that high country, super rocky stuff, you get a, a lot of mediocre younger bears that are run out of the good, okay, good stuff. But you get some good bears in there, there because actually my first solid mature boar was shot in the high country. Okay, and it was I've been hunting around, and they're right at the at at timberline, and I. Knew there was bears running around in there, and I was coming back around again just before dark. And in there, I'd already been through there once before in the day, 
And just before dark, I'm coming along, and there's Big Bear out, out on the edge of the elder, just munching grass. And I sat down on my butt, probably 50 yards away, and there, and there shot him right in the ribs with my old 300 H&H. Okay. There, and he just leaped down into a bunch of regen spruce and died. So do you think that's a huge uh, aspect of your hunting, coming back around to the same place multiple times? Yeah, because once I get it in my mind, there's something there. If I don't see it the first time around, doesn't mean it's not. You're not going to get it again. You just keep working the same area over and over and over. Because that's a huge... Like for me anyway, once I've worked an area, I have a tendency to move past it. But then like you have those experiences where you've been watching something forever. And then after a couple of hours, all of a sudden something pops up that had been there the entire time. Yeah. And they could be taking a nap or whatever. And we always, so we always kind of joke about it, but uh, you really personalize animals or what, what's the word for them? Uh, I guess maybe humanize Personify. them. Personify. Well, yeah, like... <clears throat> Well, because you're one of the best trackers I've, or you are the best tracker hands down that I've ever personally been around. I don't know. There could be better guys out there, but like when you're looking at tracks, you just, you're like, oh, this one came over here and oh, look, here's a social media post it made here with all these, because where all the animals come together, you know, you'll, there'll be rubs and there'll be all these tracks in the dirt and everything. And you'll just walk around and see who's who and what's going where. And you really personify those animals as you're tracking them, you realize their, their behavior and what they're actually thinking because they're more than just like, I think sometimes when we think about hunting, a lot of people think that animals are just these personalityless creatures that just wander around like zombies. What is your thought on that? Uh, no. And like they're, I don't do a lot of tracking bears. I, I look for bear tracks and bear hide, and then I figure them out after that, but like tracking Mule deer, especially, and elk. There, I'll I'll start tracking something, and within a little ways, I know who it is and what its personality is, and I can figure out if I can catch it or not. Okay, and then there, and you'll see me, Adam, and there, my son. Salvador has probably seen this lots of times. All of a sudden, we'll pick up a fresh rack and all that, take after it, and they're in. Everybody's okay, we're gonna get it, all gonna be good. This there, and half hour so goes by. Oh, we're never gonna catch it there. I don't want it, and just <laughs> and I turn, climb back up to, up the top of the mountain again. <laughs> yeah, that happened to us one day in particular this year. What's that like from your perspective, watching that? Because that was new for me when Shane started doing all this, the personality, like how they have an actual personality. Yeah, well, on the tracking something and then turning around and going back up the mountain, on that, in that aspect, at first it was a little bit frustrating because, you. I mean, I don't know. I'm following him around and I don't know what he's thinking. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't think like anybody else. So you're, you're like, well, he's done this before, so maybe he knows something I don't know. And so... And one day in particular this year, we were, we got on a buck track and we we're following it and he, we're, we hadn't hunted there 
maybe one other day. And uh, didn't know the country very well, so we figured, oh, we'll follow this buck and he'll probably lead us to some other deer. So he goes around side hill and then all of a sudden he gets to a spot and there's no other deer tracks, but it, the buck just starts going down the hill and we're like, okay, he knows that there's some other deer down there. Well, he gets, we go down, 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 down. We're almost back down to the road we started on. And I don't know, I don't remember if we jumped them or what. Well, they, Shane all of a sudden decides, ah, oh, I don't want this deer anyway. So we literally, <laughs> we turn around and we're like, well, we got to get back up to that good mule deer elevation while we go back up the hill. And like two more times during the day, we end up dropping all the way back down and back up, back down, and back up. Ended up, and then ended up almost at the top and we're following this buck in a doe and we had jumped him twice and it's probably an hour and a half, two hours before dark. And I'm just like, what the heck are we doing? We should have left this thing a long time ago, but he's... He turns around and says, I'm just trying to teach them a lesson and everybody watching a lesson that on like what he can do or he won't give up or something. Oh my gosh. (laughs) But it's like that all the time hunting with Shane. So with personality, so you're noticing that there's differences in these animals, just even by their tracks and their mannerisms by their tracks. Right. But then, okay. So I think probably the best demonstration of this um, like in real time that people could watch is the five grizzly bears run at hunters. Oh, so yeah. when it comes to personalities, mm-hmm. like the joke is that Shane's like prophetic when he's watching animals. Cause he'll tell you what, like, just cause as you're watching them, you kind of gain a lot of understanding just by their mannerisms and what they're doing. And, yeah, and then also your experience with kind of how some of them behave, like what's going to happen. And so I want to walk through that story a little bit. So you guys are up in one of your favorite bear hunting spots. And it's just loaded with huckleberries. Yep. And you get up on this hillside and all of a sudden you're looking down and, oh my goodness, there's a grizzly bear. Yeah. And then there's another grizzly bear. And then there's that all told, you end up seeing five grizzly bears in this little patch. Yeah. And you're like commentating the whole thing. Like we have it on video. You're commentating what is going to happen because of their personalities and like yep. who they were. So what happened in that situation? Like what was, what was the deal? Why did... Well, first of all, I just want to say I wanted to leave as soon as as we saw the second one. (laughs) I was like, well, there's probably no black bears here. Let's just get out of here while we can. But he wanted to sit and watch it like National Geographic. Yeah. In hindsight, hindsight, I'm glad we did because it was an awesome experience. But So what happened? You're watching these bears. Like what's going through your head? What's happening that's giving you indication that it's going sideways? (laughs) Well, we're seeing them. And we watch it for a while, and then we back off a whole lot further. And then we're still watching them. And they're, and I'm just having a great time watching them. They're, and I've named them all. They're <laughs> names of our family members. <laughs> 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 they're in, and they're, and they, they acted like different family members. And so it was easy to name them that. Okay. They are made it easier to keep track of them. Yeah, if they had a name, they're in their own their personal personality. There's so we got the big one there, who's a bully, and then there's a medium sized boar. What and, were their names? Okay, the medium sized boar was there, Salvador, my son. Okay, and then my my younger brother, the Kyle. He was a big boar, and now the Kyle always always has bullied and chased Salvador his whole life. Okay. 
<laughs> There's so so the big the big boar is Kyle. Yep. Okay. And so Kyle's come along and and Salvador's munching huckleberries and Kyle's getting closer and closer and closer in and then up above him is the sound of the two cubs, which we named Dea and the kids. <laughs> yeah, and so <laughs> Which is Salvador's wife and kids. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so they're up there munching along and then you see Dea looking down the hill and she's sees Salvador down there and you can tell she knows him. Oh, okay. In there and doesn't really care. Yeah. And then Kyle's getting closer and closer and and I can just see this whole thing is going to just fall to pieces here. And I have to tell Kyle, not Kyle, but Adam, that Kyle's going to start their chase in Salvador and they're going to run up, up in the day and the, and the kids are going to run right up the ridge, right on top of us. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How would that ever happen? And so yeah. they're going along every, all is well with the world until all of a sudden Kyle realizes that Salvador is right ahead of him. Eat Huckleberries. And he takes after him in there. And Salvador looks, oh my God, there comes Kyle. And there's a, he, there, he takes off running and runs right into the, uh, the two cubs. And then there, he runs the opposite direction, kind of. And then the instant that Kyle sees Dea and the two kids, he takes after them. Okay. And then here they come and right up the ridge as fast as they can go. This is not, okay, so hold on though. This is not a made up story. You can watch this video and it is literally foretold by Shane that this is going to happen and it plays out exactly how he says it's going to happen. All based on their personality. Yeah. Crazy. So then they come running up the ridge. What happened then? I heard lots of screaming like girls. Yeah. Lots of screaming there and they will not listen to me. There are lots of profanity, but they won't listen. They just keep right on coming. <laughs> and so then we run over there to the next ridge right beside us. It's the little skinny finger ridges in the top of a burn. Okay. And so we run over 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 there and here comes Day and the kids. Right up right beside us. And when she's right beside us, she finally sees us and oh my goodness, here she comes. Okay. Uh, did she here. deviate towards you when she saw you? Oh, yeah. that, oh, oh okay. Yeah. Full on charge. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I dropped the okay. camera. Actually, I didn't know this part of the story. I dropped the camera and pulled my rifle up because she got, I don't know, like 40 feet or something. Okay. Yeah. Like yeah. right on to, I mean, she was close. Yeah. This, he just made a 90 degree turn as soon as she saw us. Okay. Because that part's not came. really on video because the video no, camera yeah. goes down at that time. Yeah. Because Adam. So I think people are it. a little, I mean, even I was a little confused as to exactly what was happening. Yeah. 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 Because she ran up right beside us. And then she's seen us, made the 90 degree of the turn, and charged. Okay. And then, but she only came like halfway and realized that if she took the time to kill us, Kyle would catch her cubs. Oh, okay. So, so she she turned back and ran on up the, up, up the hill with kind of that look, I will come back and get you to Later. <laughs> okay. So well, here's a good question then. So we hunt in grizzly country all the time and people 
call, they email me, call me, or they run and talk to me, and they're like, how worried should I be about grizzly bears if I'm hunting out in Wyoming? Because there's stories, in the last couple of years, it's gotten actually pretty um, consistent where guys are getting mauled and mauled and killed. Uh, there was that outfitter in Wyoming. There's been a handful of guys um, in Montana, like that. Te- I think I think she was a teacher that got drug out of her tent, and eaten by that grizzly bear. Um, so there's been so question. I have all of you answer it individually, but Adam, I guess we could start with like how how much do you think about grizzly bears when you're hunting around, and like do they put you on edge? Are you comfortable around them? So to be honest, up until. Well, a couple of years before I met Shane, I had my first grizzly encounter here at home and we hunted here forever and we've had grizzlies here, but I was never worried about them until, uh, just started having more sightings and more run-ins with them. And I, I, I wouldn't say I've had like any horrible encounters. I mean, been charged a couple of times, but I've never been even close to being mauled or anything. So, but yeah, it's actually, it's one of those things hunting here and then a some other places we hunt there are grizzlies uh yeah it's always in the back of my head now and there is a level of worry and like when you're camped out we're just laying our sleeping bags out on the ground in a huckleberry patch or wherever it's <laughs> like i mean there's always that wrapping yourself up at moose hide yeah you know yeah. whatever but yeah I'd, I'd say for sure for me it's something i'm always thinking about if i know i'm in grizzly country Okay. Does it does it prevent you from going in there, or are you just kind of conscious of it then? Uh, it doesn't prevent me. It's. I will say that I I don't think I. The, chance of me going out and hunting by myself, say in archery season or something, is, way down now. Like I don't I don't feel comfortable, just going out in the, especially here in these mountains, and just going and calling elk by myself. You know, there's a level of security when you have at least just one person with you. And I feel like with the amount of grizzly activity, we've... Yeah, because it, yeah, it's a hot spot, right? Where it's you a guys, super hot spot. The areas you guys have been in, you've had mm-hmm. a number of these interesting run-ins. But yeah. what a... So for me, the deal is, is I don't mind hunting... Like, I've never been deterred about the daytime. You're hunting bears and everything and... And or even archery elk hunting or whatever, but it's those nights that we spend when we just throw our sleeping bags out on the ground and there's the grizzlies are all around. You know, like there's just something comforting about two people. Mm-hmm. From my standpoint, can only maul one person at a time. Well, so. that's that's my point. So how I set up to sleep every night is I put myself in the position where I'm really confident that if a bear grabbed a hold of one of you, I could kill the bear, but I'm not sure if a bear grabbed a hold of me, if one of you would kill the bear. So I always put myself in a position where I think the other person is going to get grabbed first. That way we have the best chance. Does that make sense? (laughs) I don't know if I've ever told you guys that, but that's been my my run in theory. Okay. So, but (laughs) what do you, how about you Colton? Like when it comes to grizzly bears, what are your considerations? I I think uh, sidearm is necessary i mean some people swear by bear spray but i'd rather have a lethal deterrent for either myself or the bear if the bears really mess me up pretty good so um but no i i had a encounter years ago um in bonners hunting and i didn't have a sidearm with me it got dark my headlamps died all i had was my bow and i was working up a bowl and bear came in on me and uh yeah, it didn't it wasn't comforting, especially hiking out for three miles in the dark. So that wasn't good. Covered in blood and all that fun stuff. But yeah, no, I I 
I agree with Adam. I think having two people and the way we hunt anyways, it's, it's the way we are. We have one person videoing one person actually actively hunting, but. Well, I, I talk to a lot of people though, that they just refuse to like, they're just like, I, I would love to go elk hunting, but because of the grizzly bears, I'm not going to go. What would you say to somebody like that? that maybe I think that's a better way of asking this question. Be conscience or conscious, conscious. not conscious. <laughs> be conscious of bears. Um, one thing that we are constantly talking about and we've thought a lot about is up in Alaska. I mean, one just hits you while you're pounding through the brush. You can't hear it. Then you're most likely going down. So just, I don't know. I'd say if you're hunting grizzly country, have a second person. I wouldn't let it deter you. Just be aware and um, plan ahead. Try not to sleep next to your meat. I know a lot of guys, they try and put up bear fences and everything else. And the fact is, is that a bear's most likely going to get through it. So if they really want something, they're going to get through a bear fence. So yeah. just keep yourself, be smart a little bit and um, be prepared. Have good rounds on you that can actually handle a bear. No, a lot of guys walk out in the woods with nine millimeters. And the fact is, <laughs> it's just not going to do much against a grizzly. That's just a that's the fact of the matter. Shane is a nine so, millimeter man. Yeah. yeah. So, what are your thoughts on oh, bears? Shane, Shane used you're, to be a ten millimeter man. Shane's the Shane's the expert when it comes to bears. Not really. Uh, yeah, kind of though. <laughs> there, I have a I have a really healthy respect for grizzly bears. Yeah, very much so. They are. I don't let it get in the way of what I want to do there, but I, I respect them really highly there. And I, there, I'm a, I'm a pretty big fan of bear spray there. Cause I've, I've got sprayed myself by it. Yeah. That stuff is gnarly. <laughs> no, I will never carry it again. <laughs> if you yeah. haven't seen the video. <laughs> oh yeah, well, on your guys's uh, was that the mule deer hunt that you showed that on, or was that the, the elk hunt okay. this, the elk this season? Yeah, I packed it. And you shot yourself in the leg with bear spray. I did. Yeah, <laughs> and I yeah, I don't think I'll chemical burns for next yeah. two months. Yeah, <laughs> and I done the same thing, and there, then I lost my leg. It felt like <laughs> so I can just imagine they're getting shot in the face with that thing. Yeah, it would be so drastic because you pretty much carry bear spray. All the time anymore. Yeah. I, mean, I would rather not have to have to shoot one. Yeah. Well, it's a huge mess if you do. Yeah. Shooting a bear, and especially like up in Alaska and stuff. So this last year when we went back to Colton's Bull and that brown bear, this is where the personality thing really started to play in, though. That, Shane, that I learned from Shane with these animals, instead of looking at them as just these zombies or whatever, you know. Every one of them is unique. And they say, what is it? It's like 90% of communication is nonverbal. Mm-hmm. So it's all based in body language. And that kind of goes across the board with animals too. And that's what you've taught me over the years. And so when we got in on that bear that was on Colton's moose, we got into like 35, 40 yards on him. And we mm-hmm. sat there and just kind of talked to him for probably five or 10 minutes and just looked at, we all kind of looked at each other and you could kind of get a feel for he wasn't, everybody he wasn't yeah. a real aggressive, he wasn't an aggressive bear. He was like a middle 30 or 35 year old male. Like if he was a man, yeah. he would have been like in his thirties. Yeah. He's in great shape and he understood the situation and he even walked. What's cool about that footage. If you watch it is, um, he's on, when we first get on him, he's on the gut pile and then he walks over to the quarters and like the feeling I got from him was he walked over there and he was like, okay, these are yours. And then he walks back over to his 
gut pile and he's like, but this is mine. And, and he starts covering it back it, up. Yeah. And then he, he let us, and then he walked off and let us come in and get it. And as soon as we got all the meat, he came right back in. But that was the kind of, that was the kind of experience yeah. with the personality because there's bears that aren't like that too. There's bears that are mm-hmm. super aggressive. I definitely agree with that end of it is how you communicate with them. I mean, you gotta, yeah, you just have to make sure that there's no threat to them. I had a, I mean, there's a black bear, it's not a grizzly, but I had a black bear uh, sow come in with two cubs years ago when I was guiding. I was laying on the ground. She popped out at like 10 feet right above me and I jumped up and she at first like did, she started to charge and I kind of like moved towards her a little bit and I backed up some and it was just like, hey, get your cubs and leave because the cubs went up the tree. So I backed out a bit and she came, got the cubs and they headed out. So it's how you approach a situation if they think that you're a threat to them and their or their cubs in particular they're gonna do something crazy so so what's your recommendation then dealing with grizzly bears overall do you have one do i have one they are there i would like i said i'm i'm a fan bears gray there is a is a easy personal deterrent and you can use it very very liberally whether you need to or not yeah they are and it's a good learning experience for you and the bear they are and then there i would if you run in a lot of grizzly sign and you know that they are working at you it would probably be a good idea to kind of stay out of that spot that you really don't want trouble yeah and minimize your yeah. so uh, would you like during the fall when most of these people are worried about running into the bears where the bears aren't it's not like they're just roving all over necessarily right you kind no. of find them in concentrated areas like that yeah. that's the reason those five bears were there so what what kind of areas would you if you were really nervous about grizzly bears so if somebody's listening and they're really nervous about running into grizzly bears what kind of areas would you stay away from they are good berry areas because there's always lots of berries and good berries. Okay. That's a that's a main thing. But they are kind of on, and grizzlies especially, they are just randomly roaming around in the woods. Yeah. There's, oh, that's where you're going to, you're going to just randomly meet one in some unexpected location. Yeah. They're this. So always be paying attention. Those are the typically the problem ones too, is when you just bump into each other. It's not like if you can Mm -hmm. see them and watch them and understand them, it's different. But when you have no idea that they're there Mm -hmm. and then you just bump into them, they have no idea that you're there either. Yeah. That's when the. Well, a lot of the things blow up. Grizzly bears. So I was talking to the bear biologist locally in Bonners Ferry, so Northern Idaho. And I want. It was a crazy, they had like double or triple the bear problem, the grizzly bear specifically problems that they've normally had on any given year this last year. Yep. Um, we're good friends with Josh Stanley, who's the regional director of fishing games. So he's kind of in on that. And then I met this new bear biologist and what's happened is these grizzly bears are coming down into the low country now and they're really hammering on like goats and sheep and stuff like that down there. So they ended up euthanizing a couple of these grizzly bears. Cause once they come down, they're opportunists in that sense, right? They come down and they've got an easy meal and they, you know, black bears are always getting into people's trash. And now some of these grizzly bears as their numbers increase, mm-hmm. um, 
because kind of back to the whole Kyle and Salvador bear that yep. situation, right? Kyle ran Salvador off. So as, as they, as more bears are out there, their territories are pretty big and they'll run other bears out of their territory. So some of these younger boars, and that's, what's been killing a lot of these, um, livestock down in lower elevations yeah, and getting into kind boars. of problems and like chicken coops, stuff like that, are these younger boars that are getting run out by the, the Kyles of mm-hmm. the world. Yeah. Right. And so, <laughs> yeah, I think, so what, um, when it comes to running into these bears, what is the, like, have you ever had anything real serious with a grizzly bear? Well, in August, I'm, I'm on this walkabout in the mountains there with nothing but a jar of peanut butter and a raincoat. Okay. Because you like misery, just for everybody listening that doesn't understand Shane. He just loves to be miserable. <laughs> and I, I get into Good Huckleberry. I meet this black bear. I look at him. And I, I don't go very far at all. And there's a sow grizzly and they're two, one cup. And so, stupid me, I understand, I look at her area and I decided to do a, a calf elk call. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there's, oh, I'm like, here, here. <laughs> and there, man, her head pops around and she is, and here she comes right up the hill. Okay. And then I then I'm starting to think, well, this is a bad idea. And so I start yelling at her and then she finally hears me. And then she just stops down there and she's like sixty, seventy yards away. And then I'm 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 standing there with a nine millimeter in one hand and a can of bear spray on the other in there. And I'm there. <laughs> you look like one of those cool action movie guys. <laughs> and there. I'm like talking to her and telling her, oh, this is a terrible idea to come up here. It's just going to end badly for everybody involved. You come up here. And she stands there and she thinks about that for a while. And then she finally makes a 90 degree turn and walks off to the side. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> and then me and Adam were bear hunting one time. And we... Late in the evening, we were up in this avalanche pass, and there's a little bit of, or these avalanches that came down, and there's big piles of snow, and you could see the airs have been sliding down okay. these streets. Do they like to they do that? Yeah. Yeah. They love sliding in the snow. Grizzly bears in particular. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's kind and of a so strange we, thing, huh? We yeah. see all these bear slides, and we're thinking, man, this is cool. There's got to be bears here. And wait till it gets dark, no bears. So then we just lay down and go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and we get up in the morning and we're standing there. They were drinking our coffee and I'm looking way up the hill. Oh, there they are. There's a sow grizzly with a cub. Nice. And they're coming down. They are. Not a cub. <laughs> a cub. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not a bear. This is a bear. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty much full grown. Yeah, he was looked like the size of a Volkswagen bus and then the and the cub was like a smart car. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> and they're coming down the hill and they're having just a great time. There the sow is just running and jumping like a horse for the front end with her head just swinging from side to side. And there they're just, and they are coming down that hill and they're coming down hard. And then they disappear in the elder and I'm like, my God, they are going <laughs> to, 
<laughs> pop out right on top of it. Uh. <laughs> and then here they, a few minutes later, how they pop out like 100, 100 yards above us, and they're still just coming. And we just start yelling and cursing at them, and they and they finally realize it. <laughs> they are in, then they and they turn right off. Crazy. <laughs> so what? Um, maybe we can move on from the grizzly bears because I didn't even plan on talking about grizzly bears, but that's a great topic anyway. Yeah, if I, I love grizzly bears. So fast forward, I grew up. My first bear I shot was in a swampy, some swampy ground like you're talking about. I was walking along, it's grassy, swampy, and I shot it to death like 15 times with a 223. It was <laughs> yeah, an unexpected, <clears throat> unexpected hunt. And uh, when you're young and you're hunting, you're, man, it's just, it's overwhelming and it gets done, but you just don't even know, kind of black out and yeah. <laughs> stuff ends up dead. But, um, yeah, so then I kind of I I killed lots of bears, but I was I was an opportunist, so I wasn't necessarily hunting them. Like sometimes I'd kill them in the spring, sometimes I'd kill them in the fall, but I'd never I can't remember very many times that I really went out and I was like, okay, today I'm going to go and I'm going to find bears and I'm going to kill a bear. Yeah, uh, they just kind of were a byproduct of the rest of my hunting. Yeah. Um in the spring more so, I would go out looking for them, but just cuz I had nothing better to do. So then I meet you. And you're really heavy into bear hunting. You have a real love for Bears, not just like a, because there's a difference, and I think that's important to note with you, is like, you're not the kind of guy that just likes killing stuff. You have been a meat hunter through and through since you were a kid, and you have a tremendous amount of respect for the animals. And so, like, hunting them is a, hunting them is an interesting thing, hunting with you, because, like, I don't know, you just, there's a proper level of respect, so you're not out there just for blood with them. But I started hunting with you with these bears and um, all of a sudden my eyes were open to this totally different world of bear hunting. Because when you watch bear hunting on TV or whatever, most of these guys and a lot of people that we know, they're putting the bait barrels out and they're waiting in a tree stand for a bear to come in and they shoot it or, you know, they're finding them in these grassy patches. But no, you have this other idea of hunting bears in the nastiest country I've ever seen. So how did that kind of come about? Yeah, that's a really good question. So, okay, so they are, the years go by and they, I shoot a fair amount of bears and then I work for years and I get married and I come back around to hunting a lot again and there, I didn't actually need a bear and so I, I like the, and I, I have a real love affair for the high mountains. Yeah. And so then I started just purposely hunting bears in the prettiest places that I could, I could come up with. Okay. Cause you, one thing that you said to me right when we first started hunting together was you hunt the, the location just as much as you hunt the animal. Yeah. You're looking for that location. Yep. There's, there's, oh, I started hunting locations that I really liked. And there, and I, I've come to realize in the spring, you can find bears high in the, in the mountains, really high, up in just the extremely jagged, rugged, the cliffs. And there's bears in there. And they are so hard to get to. You can glass them sometimes, and there's like no way to get there. Yeah. It's they are, It's just like they're sheep or goat hunting. The same type of situation. Well, so like you guys, I remember we kind of renamed different things, but you guys were up on Rhino Peak, right? looking across on that rocky face 
on those. And you're just like, you couldn't even hardly put a, your tent up anywhere up there. It was no. so rocky. Oh my goodness. It was, yeah. And then you couldn't even get to the bears once you spotted them. No, no we sat there watching nine bears. And there was above the sheep and above the goat. Yeah, there was a bunch of goats on a little ledge, and this bear comes along and he is peering over the ledge onto these goats and thinking there he'd like to get down there, but he don't know how to even get down there himself. <laughs> okay, so you learned that these bears are in the high country. How old were you in that? There, I Epiphany was, happened. There, I was in my 30s when I started hunting bears like sheep. Okay. In there, and just hunting the country in the rugged mountains just for the love of it. There, and I became a real purist, and I, I wouldn't hardly shoot nothing else. Okay. There, if a bear was close to a road or in, or in a clear cut, I wouldn't even yeah. go after it. There because I did not want to waste my bear tag and not get the full experience. Okay. Yeah, because you historically, like we've we had the we've had the opportunity to travel to some amazing spots to hunt, um, but you've got a real love affair going on with your mountains here, right here at yeah. home. And even though there's pretty low, like compared to some of the numbers that we see in other places, even though there's low density. Like I know that your your soul just wants to be up there in that nasty stuff. Yeah, even if it's not that that great. Yeah, there, and even if the quality of bears isn't as good as you could maybe come up with hair, but every now and then, there I have shot some really nice bears in really rough country. Yeah, yeah, and I mean you turn up some really nice stuff in some of this country. You're not seeing hundreds of them, yeah. but the ones you do see end up generally being pretty good not just bears but yeah. deer elk everything across the board yeah so then we um obviously a lot of people have watched quite a few of our hunts we started hunting in some real nasty kind of, after you turned me on to it and all of us onto it because all of us had hunted bears before but i think like yeah i have the same story as you yeah i never really was a bear <clears throat> well I, I really wouldn't even go out bear hunting that, that off yeah i was like oh, if i Needed something to do, I'd go out, but I didn't kill very many, and then met you guys. I was like, oh, it was actually kind of fun. Well, then, Colton, you were a guide for yep. quite a few years down in kind of central Idaho. Yeah, a lot of baiting. Um, we'd run dogs for some bears, and uh, but I liked actually going and doing the spot and stock stuff, so I started, I was down in Riggins, so I was starting to hunt <clears throat> Hell's Canyon a bit, and took some guys in there and got a little bit of introduction into the nastiness that bears actually live in. But not until I came back from guiding in Colorado did we actually start doing what Shane does and get into the really nasty stuff and hunt hard. So, Yeah. And I think when I, for me, when I started getting into it, because I, what you're talking about, about just being in that country, like there is almost nothing better for me than sitting there in the cliffs and you're just sitting there picking everything apart and you're way up there. You look down and it's just this nasty, rocky stuff. And like when we were hunting your bear this last spring and we got there and the rams were all bedded up down below and then your bear comes out. And I mean, you see in that video, because we called that video above the sheep, you see in that video when he shoots that bear. I mean, it's just basically, it doesn't look as steep as it really is in there. Like he falls off a cliff, basically. <laughs> down yeah. in there, it took us forever to work our way around in there but that is some of the most beautiful vistas yeah ever up in that country 
And just like even right now, just talking about it makes my soul hurt because we're only a couple weeks away from sitting in some of that country. And you got the roaring there creeks and you got the warm sunshine and the green grass and then these here blizzard squalls that come in and then you got deep snow you're working up in there it's just such a in the hike in the high country gets is really noisy there in the spring because of all the rushing water and then boulders coming off from the off the cliffs and the high high mountains rolling and crashing down the size of houses yeah around you <laughs> it's just uh I just love the experience of it. They're in all the new life coming to be in there. I just use bear hunting as a as a reason to get out there and see all that. Yeah. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it if you if you didn't actually have something you were doing. So, here's a question for you. Uh, you don't look it, but you're going to be 49 this year. Yeah. Crazy. So you're 48 right now, June 10th, right? Yep. Is your birthday? You'll be 49. So how rough is this country? Because I've taken guys hunting before that have watched our videos and are friends of ours. And they're like, oh yeah, I want to really go and do that. And they go up into that country and they end up not being able to go. They get like the first day into it and their feet get tore up or their body just can't make it. And they end up not going on the hunt. They go back down to the bottom. Yeah. So how, how rough is that country? That you're hunting. It's pretty rough. (laughs) 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 Well, like, what about, like, the dry, uh, the the term that you always use that I've never heard anybody else talk about is dry mouth fear. How often do we have dry mouth fear from the, what what causes dry mouth fear for you? (laughs) (laughs) There, I don't really like heights. There's, when I'm. Walking along on there, a ledge that's like six inches wide with a thousand feet high near straight below me down to the creek, that causes dry mouth tear. (laughs) (laughs) Dry mouth tear, that's what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) And you always end up in there in some situation like this. Yeah, loose footing, gravel, shale, whatever. And there's (laughs) there's nothing under you. (laughs) When you look down and there is nothing under you to catch you. And it it just rounds off into nothingness. Yeah, you're just going to tumble. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, it's always horrifying. Like the the feeling I get. So every time we shoot a bear and then it just goes tumbling, I just feel like I just want to cling onto the hillside (laughs) after we shoot it. Because you realize... Like that bear, when it fell, it just started going and it ain't stopping. Yeah. Like the same would happen to you if you were to slip even once in some of the country we're hunting. Yeah. You just start cartwheeling down a hill. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, what a, what a sport. And then it gets dark on you so often. Yeah. There's, you're always up in there and you're there and you're watching the sun. My goodness, we got to get out of here. Yeah. Or get onto something solid before it gets dark. Yeah. Because well, yeah, there's so much that gets lost in translation with the videos because like the night that I slept with my bear a couple of years ago, it's like the next morning because it was almost dark on me. So I decided to just set up right there. And what you can't see is that country is just so brutal and steep. Like if I couldn't see and I'd never been in it before. So I didn't, it's not like I knew it like the back of my hand. Yep. Like there's just no, there's literally no way out of it. And if you have a tumble in that stuff, 
especially by yourself, man, that could be a yeah really serious situation really quickly. Yeah, new country there in the cliffs and that steep stuff. You you got to be able to see. Yeah, and they are they are a flashlight or a headlamp is not good enough. You have to be able to plan your route. Yeah, so seeing yeah. way ahead of you. Yeah, you could watch. You could keep yourself from falling off from a cliff with your headlamp there, but you would get yourself Down cornered up. Yeah. yeah, and you couldn't. Mm-hmm. You'd just be stuck sitting there. Because yeah. I've had a number of those nights in my life where you're trying to get out a new country with a headlamp, and you get all the way down, and you get cliffed out, and you can't see like what the alternative routes are or anything. You're just kind of prodding along, and you just go up again, and then come back down and try and get around these cliffs, and it is exhausting, dangerous. <laughs> yeah. So. Here's a question because we haven't. You're you're a long haul truck driver for the most part. You do some local stuff, yep. but even truck drive. How long have you been truck driving? Twenty seven years. Twenty seven years. So, um, I think I think it'd be awesome if you could share just a little bit about how you came to the Lord, because that's a pretty radical story. So, it'd be awesome. If so, it'd be awesome if you could share that story just a little bit with us. Okay, because it was around truck driving and hunting and yep, all sorts of cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. So that wasn't it was it was a while ago, like eight years ago now, two thousand thirteen, nine years ago. Yeah, right about now. There another another truck driver in. Texas give me a CD of some random sermon and I either took that just because I I weren't going to say no <laughs> because I, I won't really back down for nothing. You're not scared of anything. <laughs> not necessarily. He just respects it. Yeah. That's what we call it. Yeah. <laughs> There's, oh, I, I listened to that then a few days later and and that hit me so hard, and I, I knew I was, I was going to hell. There, and I, I knew it was true. I had, I tried to live my whole life up to that their point, hoping that Christianity wasn't true. Okay, and, and there was no God. Why did you? Why did you hope that there was no God at that point before? Because I. I knew that I wasn't right with him. If there was one, I was going to hell. Okay. There's, there's, oh, my only hope at that time was that there wasn't one. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. (laughs) That was where my hope was. And so I, I listened to that and I, I knew there was one and that I was not right with him. There. And so I was, I was just upside down about that and there I I could bully through most any any difficulties in there in their hard hip and I figured I could I could bully right through dying there but I couldn't bully through eternity in hell I there I could not face that and that freaked me out so bad and scared me so bad that I had to call on the Jesus that I wanted to go with him. 
So you were the, it's not really a joke, but we kind of joke about it, but you were on the 287. Yep. Highway 287 there that runs Caddy Corner across America. Yeah. And so I died on the 287. Yeah. And I want to vouch, I want to vouch for that. So here's the crazy thing about Shane is when he first became a Christian, he, uh, <laughs> you were such a recluse. Like you would, it was all about your own personal time and you worked as little as possible and saved as much money as possible so that you could have your time, your free time. Yep. And then like you talk about a radical change. I would, I don't know if I would call you antisocial so much as just like really focused on living your own, living your own life. And I watched that transition where like we became friends which you didn't really hunt with other people. And then all of a sudden we started hunting together, which was way out of our, probably both of our comfort zones a little bit. And then you're the one who ended up grabbing Adam and bringing him into Limitless Outdoors. Yep. And I've watched over the last many years is like your life has gone from one that, like if I was just to kind of sum it up, like one that was very lived for yourself and just trying to protect that for yourself to one that's super focused on other people. Okay. Which is interesting. Like that's been a radical change. So like when we joke around about the old, the old Shane Pouch dying, like that's Romans six, right? When we're, we died and we're baptized into Jesus's death and then we're raised in newness of life. Like there's an actual, so it's not just about the future and hell. Yep. Like at, at first you're, that's what you're after. You're like, I don't want to go to hell. Yeah. Like I want to go with Jesus, but it's not even just that. Like when we give our life to Jesus, it doesn't just change our eternity, like future eternity. It's a quality of life that changes right now. And so you're raised in newness of life. And it, what's that like, like learning to live again? Because you and I talk about this all the time. Because if you're going to live a new life, like all of a sudden you're having to learn some new things to live in. It was extremely difficult. Okay. I did not know how to live at all because they talk about being born again. So I was born again and I did not know anything because all the things that I, I knew before had I lived by were valueless. Yeah. Basically. There I, I still have kept using the same skills and passions that I had before. Everybody, everything totally changed. There in the in the first year was really rough. Then I met you and got plugged into the into the church and I learned a lot about how to live my new life. Yeah. What is the, I remember, I remember you saying once, cause I actually, we did, we shared like your testimony with the church once we made a video of it. And you said you understood what you'd been saved from, but you had a hard time understanding what you'd been saved to. Yeah. Like you knew you'd been saved from hell, but you were having a hard time understanding like, what are we saved to? Have you gotten any more insight on that? Or is that still one of those things like you can't hardly wrap your mind around? That's, that's still helping you can't hardly wrap your mind around because there, I am, I am so tied into this body and this life. I can't hardly grasp that I am ever going to have another one. Yeah. That will be better than this one. What do you think, Adam? What's your understanding of 
Like, what do you think? When you think about heaven, what do you think about? Because, like, when I think about when I think about like heaven on earth, I think about the bear hunting that we're talking about. You know what I mean? Or just being up in those mountains. Like, I think of that. So, like, when you think of heaven, what's uh, no no wrong or right answer? I'm just trying to kind of explore that a little bit. What is what do you think about when you think about heaven? I think about being surrounded by your loved ones um, and everybody else that walked with the Lord. And I think about no, no sufferings, no, no cares about any of this little piddly stuff that we care about. And it's, it's like he said, it's hard to wrap your mind around that because we're so caught up in worldly things and it's hard for even Christians to think past that sometimes. And so, I, I don't know, I just think about time, that, just how crazy it'll be to not worry about paying your rent, paying, you know, any of this stuff. Like being sick, being hurt, being tired. Like, I, I don't know. It's just one of those things It's just hard to fully grasp how, what it's going to be like. And so... I like that I though. Know. Like the, it's kind of the good without the, the worst parts of life. Yeah, exactly. Because when we think about, because we're going to be in a new heaven and a new, there's a new heaven and a new earth. So there's new earth. And like when God made this earth, it was perfect. And then the sin messed everything up. Right. And like when we, if we honestly, like if we, if we're honest and humble and look at our own lives, like all of our problems come from either our sin or somebody else's sin. Mm. Like if it wasn't for that, it wouldn't be, like life would be incredible. And so once that is fully removed and dealt with, and we're in our resurrected new sinless bodies, like we're still going to be on, we're going to be on a new earth. And I don't like my understanding of it. Isn't so much that it's going to be like new, like there's going to be f- like avatar world with floating islands in the <laughs> sky and stuff. I mean, maybe it could be that way, but the idea of that newness is going to be like just a totally redeemed, perfect world. And so like, what I'm looking forward to and people might have different theology on this. I, I'm not so sure there's not going to be hunting when it comes to like, I'm just not so sure that it's not going to be that way. Um, we'll find out, but even if the hunting's not there, it's going to be incredible. Cause we're going to be in this, we're going to be in a new world. That's like unhindered by and untouched by all the junk. Like you're just not going to have the junk. I think, <clears throat> I think the best way to put it is it, you and you and Shane joke about, not really joke about, but you, you guys mention like this is gonna be in like the top ten days of your life. This is gonna be in the top five days of your life. Like you may only have one day like this in your entire life, one of those perfect days. Like oh, that's good with your moose, right? So huh. I think about that moment. Like when I got my elk, I, I completely broke down my Colorado bull this year. I was com- I was weeping. I was yeah, that was like a mental uh, breakdown. Yeah, it, was, it was complete. <laughs> it was a psychotic break. But it was it was that moment where it was like the joy. Yeah, that yeah. the unhinged and unprecedented joy that you feel in that moment and like the the complete and overwhelming sense that you're in God's creation, right? Like you're just surrounded by it and you're in that moment. I think my best way to put it is that is going to be your every moment that yeah. is going to be wow. like who you, who you are and how you exist. Cause it's what one day in your court is better than 10,000 elsewhere. Right? A thousand. Yeah. Or a, th- yeah. a million elsewhere. It doesn't matter. One yeah, day is it's better. Just hyperbole. Yeah. So when I think about that, I think about that 
our top 10 days where you have that, that one day is going to be better than even those. Yeah. Cause it's kind of just like a tape. It's, it's mind blowing. Those moments, like, cause I guess just bringing it full circle back to the bear hunting, like at the end of the day, it has very little to do with the, the bear itself. Yeah. Like, it has to with the moment. You're after, you're after that country, but you're not after even the country itself. You're after the way it makes you feel when you're in it. Because why, if it was about the bear, then every bear you saw from the road, you just plug it and throw it in the back of your truck. But it really has, if we actually, it's interesting because as people like we, we think, well, bear hunting is what makes me happy. Well, maybe it's actually not like it's actually the location and where you are. And it's not even any of that. It's just how all of that stuff together makes you feel. So that's what you're really after. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's the, when we talk about the spring bear hunting our poor man's sheep hunt, we're hunting bear up in this nasty country. Like really what we're after is that feeling that you get from mm. being there. Like Colton's describing like heaven will be your top so just 10. continual top 10 days in that sense. That's pretty rad. Any other thoughts on that? That's all I got to say about that. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so then I need to think for a second. So there's this joke that goes around because Shane is, you could not put Shane in a mold. Like there's only one Shane Fouch in this entire world. There's no doubt about it. And we all gave up trying to wrangle him and control him and get him to do things our way. Um, But that's some of the beauty. So, Actually, one of the prayers I have over every one of you guys, um, just as your friend, is I ask the Lord to, um, I ask the Lord to show me what he wants me to help change in you and what he loves about you guys, each of you. So yeah, my, my continual prayer is because there's things that God wants to like make better in our lives obviously, but then there's the unique things. And so like when we look at Jesus with the disciples, you have zealots and tax collectors and like all this huge mix and you got like all these different backgrounds and people and he made some things better in them, but he loved some of the, some of the things that they were. Right. And so one of my favorite things about you, Shane, is like you, you're just, you're just who you are and you're very unapologetic about it. And that brings a lot, that really brings a lot to the table. I know it's impacted a lot of our lives. Um, and the thing I really respect about you is that you don't sell out to anything. Like everything you do is practical and everything that you do is um, because you love love to do it. And I just wanted to, you know, I think that's a super, your integrity and who you are is a super big part of I think why people like you so much on YouTube, like we always see all these comments, like we want more Shane Fouch. And um, so I think that's just a, that's just a huge part about it. And you'll notice it in the videos when you watch them, that Shane's just totally unique and he's totally unique in real life. And he's the same person on video that he is maybe even a little bit better person in real life than on video, (laughs) I would say. But, um, Yeah, I just wanted to say that about you. I think that's an incredible asset that you that you bring and you've mentored you've mentored all of us 
so much in so many different ways. I think that's the real strength of our team is I, I have literally learned something from every one of you guys when it comes to hunting the back country. And I think every one of us has learned, like we're all, we all kind of have different yeah. sets of gifting when it comes to that. We've all learned a, learned a ton from each other. Yeah. What would be one of the, so my big things that I learned from you, Shane, um, were tracking animal personalities. Um, and I would also say I've learned a ton about respecting animals from you because I was in a phase of my life when I met you that I was very blood hungry. They say that everybody kind of goes through those different phases in their hunting. Like you just, mm-hmm. you just want to kill and then you become a trophy hunter and then you love the process of it. Right. And so those would be some of the big things that I've learned from you. What about you, Adam? What do you think you've learned from Shane over the years? Uh, one, one specific thing I learned and it actually helped me out the other day was uh, not letting the weather determine what you're going to do that day so if you had a plan to do something you wake up and it's raining and you're like oh it's raining i'm not going to go do it like no just go do what you're going to do regardless i mean put your rain gear on that's what we have it for (laughs) and (laughs) it's a simple way of looking at it well and the other day i was going to go shed hunting and i just like two days up to when i was going to go i just wanted to go wanted to go and just i knew i needed to go and beat somebody to my spot and I woke up that morning, it's just pouring rain. This was like two weeks ago, pouring rain. And I, probably snowing in the mountains. Uh, I won't go. And I I was already dressed to go and I'm sitting there at the house. And I just thought, why would I not go? Just go. Even if I walk around all day and I don't find a single thing, at least I went and gave myself that chance. So I ended up going and it was like the best day I've ever had. And... So, yeah, that's one thing that I, one specific thing that I learned from Shane uh, that you can apply to anything in life. But Shane always says uh, when we're hunting or we're, you know, we're hunting with a friend or something and it just seems really hopeless. He's like, we just got to keep going because we got to give God a chance to do a miracle. <laughs> like when you give up, you've it's kind of taken away the opportunity for God to do a miracle. Yeah. Kind of, I mean, that goes full circle all the way back to his story right in the beginning about his dad walking around with his dad and yeah. having that. Giving God a chance to do a miracle. What about you, Colton? What have you learned from Shane? After walking around <clears throat> uh, this last spring bear hunting on that second bear trip we did, it was uh, wandering around a little bit, like letting letting yourself move through the ground, work the ground, not the not your destination, but actually work through the ground and pay attention to what's going on around you. Because there are so many times that, Shane's just noticing small things on the ground, like the tracks, like you mentioned. And like he found you that to me, the, the rifle shell in that little basin before he rounded out onto the face, the special tree, there's a little oh, basin yeah. that had, the, yep. there's a rifle shell sitting there. And it just, it's funny. Cause we just found, uh, some bones and we were talking about it and trying to figure it out. And I like, oh, there's no way somebody dropped in here to hunt this. Like, <laughs> I would have completely missed the rifle shell and uh, Shane just looks down and sees it and he's like, it all adds up. Like he, he puts together the pieces and the, the story. Yeah. The story. He can it. tell yeah. the story of the land, like what's yeah. happened there over yeah. time. That's cool. Yeah. He, he just wanders and pays attention to it more. And it, um, I think it slowed me down a bit and made me realize I need to look down a little bit more. Maybe. 
So here's my big takeaways from this conversation is that I think my biggest one is heaven is going to be like our top 10 days. That was my <laughs> big one. But then just like that hunting is so much. And I think that any hunter that's hunted for a while starts to realize that like hunting is just so much more than just the, the hunt of the animal itself. It's all about that, that spot that we can get to and the way it makes us feel what you're really, I mean, whether you're Christian, you believe you have a soul or not, like every, I don't know. Everybody kind of knows they got a soul. Like if you just think about it for a second, cause you, you're sitting up there on those hillsides and you just, you're just, your heart aches and yearns for more of what you're experiencing there. And that was all created by God. And so when I look out across those mountains and if my heart yearns, like if my heart aches and like, I, that's where I want to be. And it was all created by God. What I really want more of is not the mountains, but I want more of God at the end of the day. And that's an interesting jump to make in your mind when you start to realize like when you're in love with all that God created, what you're really in love with is God and you may not even realize it. And sometimes people think of God as this just crazy bully or somebody they got to get right with. Otherwise he's going to send them to hell. But Romans two, four says that it's the goodness of God that leads us to repent, mm -hmm. to change direction from where we've been going. Like we're headed towards hell we're headed our own way, but it's the goodness of God. And I think when you're up in those mountains, we're talking about spring bear and the rocky, nasty mountains. Like that is the creation of the good. Like that is a huge demonstration of the goodness of God for me. So that's my big, that's my big takeaways for talking with the legendary bear hunter, Shane Fouch. Okay. <laughs> Would that make any sense? Yeah. Kind of interesting. You got any last closing thoughts for us? Well, since you were saying all that about me there, I've, <laughs> I learned from you, I learned the valuableness and the, the, the technique of glassing big country and then in finding big glassable country and then finding the unfindable in it with your... <laughs> With your binos. Yeah. I learned that and then I I got the basics of how to walk with Jesus. At least I taught you one thing good. <laughs> <laughs> the glassing. <laughs> you know, the problem with the glassing, though, that I have run into is I know you're farther along in this journey than me, but my eyes are starting to go a little bit. So are mine. Yeah. And that is a problem. And so Adam's not... sitting here with his $50 pair of binos and he's outglassing me now. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Not wrong. Yeah, there's... Oh, it is a, a fleeting knowledge that is not going to take me really anywhere I want to go. <laughs> <laughs> and I would, I would still... After I glass for a long time, I just want to walk over there and see what's over there anyway. Well, look at the ground and see what's That's the funny there. thing. That's the funniest thing about this whole, like not one, that's what's cool about the whole team and all of our different approaches to hunting is that not one technique works all that great because there's the hunt that you ended up killing that 
probably really realistically about our biggest bull we ever killed up there. I mean, Adams, I guess, is the widest. But when you and I were hunting out there and we were in that miserable situation, we've been glassing down in that country forever and never saw a moose. And then we're just waddling along on this ridge. And my gosh, there's a moose right in front of us. <laughs> yeah. 50 yards. Yeah. This huge moose that you'd think you couldn't hardly miss from anywhere. had been there the whole time. He'd been rubbing all those trees the whole time. We never saw him. Yeah. And just stumbled right into him, wandering around like a raccoon. Yep. So. All right. Well, I'm going to wrap this podcast up, uh, but I just want to encourage you. I don't know if anything really stood out to you as you were listening, especially about heaven being kind of one of those top 10 days or Shane's testimony um, and just understanding that God is real. And or maybe even you're, you're in one of those people that's just hoping God's not real. Uh we want to, if you're interested in knowing more about God, so you know that you're on the right side of him, we have a resource that we wrote called the first mile, and it'll teach you everything that you need to know about who God is, how, how to have a relationship with him, why you need a relationship with him. And then just really how to have an actual practical relationship, kind of those first steps of getting going uh, with Jesus. We want to send that to you absolutely free. You can go over to our website. It's www.limitlesshunting.com dot com uh, and request one there. We want to see you grow and understand God and understand everything God's got for you. It is a lifelong process and it is hard to even comprehend how incredible life can be with God and what he has for us in the future. But we want to help you kind of take some steps that direction so you can be living that life that God has for you. So until next time, my friends, remember, it doesn't matter what you've done. It only matters what you do now. God bless you. And we'll see you soon.